I, uh, I spent about three hours this afternoon researching idolatry because the last uh, uh, while I've been talking about some really strong subjects. So I'm going to start off pastor talk with this because, uh, man, I found so much uh, both in my personal books and such. And then I uh, uh, surfed the web a little bit for some very interesting things that others had to say about it. But uh, some interesting things. I wrote a, a four and a half page article yesterday. I, my blog is normally a page or Sometimes a little over, but I, I couldn't quit typing. But uh, on, uh, on the worship of Baal, how many know, I don't know if you realize Baal is being worshipped today. And I want to talk about it. We are in a, a crisis in our culture in America. And if we don't get off the road that we're headed down, our, our nation will not survive. How many hear what I just said? We, we have to become a third world nation. We can't keep going the way we're going. People think that they can innocuously do things that, that God says is wrong and get by with it. You can for a while. How many know God's got a boatload of grace and mercy for all of us? Aren't you glad? So we happen to live in an age of grace, and God's grace definitely covers us. And I'm thankful that it covers my life. How about you? However, uh, uh, one day, one day, one day, one day payday comes for when we know we're doing wrong. And our nation, I'm telling you, we've got some really challenging things. But the article that I wrote was, um, uh, was just about what we're doing today. And um, i got to watch my time because I could get into this and not get out of it. So let me just make a few comments. Uh, sexual immorality is rampant worldwide right now. And there are some that believe that the second coming of Christ, the rise of the Antichrist, the one world ideology, the one world governing factors and such. And then the persecution of both Jews and Christians that's prophesied both by Jesus, Paul, uh, John, uh, the Old Testament writers um, will come on the heels, will come on the, the persecution, uh, will come on the heels of, of sensuality, uh, lawlessness, Anything being okay, and that's the um, that's the that's the ideology right now that's being pushed to the younger generations in American culture right now, and it's a really dangerous ideology. And the idea is there are no standards. I mentioned it Sunday because there are no uh, standards come from religion. Religion is a neurosis. Neuro religion is a problem. You take God out of the equation, there are no standards. Do what you want to do. And y'all, that's an ideology that's surfacing all over the world. Now the LGBTQRSVW, whatever, I'm joking. Uh, that ideology is really strong, they keep adding to it, is really strong, uh, not only in America. Now, if you disagree with that, I mean, you get some really strange looks. And uh, if you do that at work, you're going to get in trouble. How many know that? So you may have questions about some of that. Uh, the article that I wrote yesterday, I encourage you to go on my blog and look at it. I didn't write one today on purpose because that one was so long. I thought maybe people need some time to read it. But, uh, but what, I, what I came to see in my studies is this. Um, um, the origin of um, godlessness. Many Bible scholars say started with the Tower of Babel. They were making a tower up to heaven to worship the signs of the zodiac. It wasn't really all the way up to heaven. It was up so you could get up way up in the sky and you could see the stars at night and, and uh, you know, worship the gods that they say uh, control, the, uh, control those planetary alignments and such. From that, uh, there are heathen religions that have been, uh, that have been uh, 
uh, moving for generations and thousands of years. All of these pagan gods that have been worshipped uh, historically, all they, they all are the same, y'all. They're all from the same God. It's demonic forces. It's demon spirits propagated by the devil himself to come against God, his word, his kingdom, and his ways. How many hear what I'm saying? And as I did uh, research today, all these fall, every one of these false gods, they're all connected. Uh, I don't care if it's, uh, like I mentioned, uh, I don't know if I mentioned, did I mention it this past Sunday? I think I did, yeah. Uh, whether it's Northern Africa or or the Middle East, or Europe, the false gods that were worshipped from, from these uh, ancient cultures, they all came. They all did the same thing. They're all from the same source, and it's demon spirits. So uh, uh, here's one uh, article I looked at today that I kind of put together from a couple of different sources. Uh, Molech, uh, Milcom, Baal, and Baal had several names, Beelzebub, Astaroth, Astaroth Ashura, Astareth, Isis, Osiris, uh, Ashura, uh, Murdoch, Nebo, and you can go on and on all the way down to Diana in, in the, in the uh, Roman and Greek times and all the gods of the pantheon, all of those gods that have been worshipped. They were all worshipped, and this is the thing I kept coming over and over and over again. They were worshipped with, with uh, illicit sex. And, you know, if you go through the Old Testament and you begin to read where God made the covenant with uh, Abraham and his children, the children of Israel, and he told them to have nothing to do with foreign gods. And he told them when they entered into the land of Canaan, the, God, the uh, land that God gave Abraham, don't have anything to do with the idolatrous practices of the nations that surrounded them. And it was an emphasized point over and over and over and over and over and over and over. But they still didn't, you think. And you know, if you've read your Bible, you think, why, why would they do that? I mean, I mean, if God's presence, if God literally revealed himself in the tabernacle of, in the tabernacle in the wilderness, the tabernacle of Moses, and, and there was the, the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night, and there was that little tent that, they, that, they, that moved with them, and, and they saw God and they saw his presence, and his, his presence was like smoke. And it was incredible. And, 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 you know, God came against the gods of the Egyptians there in Exodus with, with uh, the Israelites leaving, leaving uh, Egypt. And, um, and every one of those ten plagues that Moses enacted against the gods, were, uh, the gods of Egypt were against their, their demon gods. And, uh, and they hit the ground every time. And they saw the miraculous. Why, knowing their history, why, knowing how powerful their God was, why would they go into rampant idolatry so badly that God had to move them off their land in the Babylonian captivity or during the time of Daniel? Why? I mean, you scratch your head. That's, that seems dumb as dirt. And, and you think, well, I would never do that. Ha, ha, ha. Every single idol that was worshipped by, uh, by these cultures of the past were worshipped with uh, sexual immorality. And orgies and everything I've read, I read about probably 20, 20 different sources today, and every single source said the same thing. There were paid temple prostitutes. I don't care which god it was, which era it was. There were paid temple prostitutes. They were involved in adultery, fornication, uh, um, uh, homosexuality, lesbianism, bestiality, pedophilia, anything you could ever imagine. In fact, when you read the Old Testament. 
Uh, you'll read about Ashura, you'll read about Baal, you'll read about groves. Uh, the King James, New King James uses the word groves. It's not groves of trees. Groves referred to, uh, to places that were kind of separated from, from cities that the people would go to worship idols. And, and, and this is a little bit gross, but I'm going to tell you exactly what they did. These groves actually were idols that were erected by cutting off the I've shared some of this before, cutting off the tops of trees, cutting off the limbs, and they would carve the bottom of the tree into a phallus, the, the male genitalia. And then from that, they would, they would have orgies with paid prostitutes, both male and female. Children also got involved. They got their animals involved. I've read some archaeological things, and found, they found out that they have found venereal diseases in the bones of both the men, the women, the children, and the animals. And that's the reason, and some people, I read some articles today, some people can't figure out why God told Joshua, Moses, and then Joshua, when you go into the land of Canaan, you conquer those cities, and Canaan said, kill, and here's what God said, kill the mothers, the fathers, the children, and the animals. Don't leave anything alive. Why did God have to say that? To protect the Israelites. God had a covenant with him, and the covenant said, I've got to protect you from harm. And, the, and God knew full well if they got involved in the idolatrous practices of these, heathen, of these heathen people, of these pagan people around them, that they would get involved. And, and there's nothing like sex to be used as a carrot by the devil to bring people who know the light into darkness. How many hear what I'm saying? And that's what happened to Israel because, because all of these false gods were worshipped with illicit sex. Let's get real. Sex is fun. It's the second strongest desire in the psychologists say it in the human person is the desire to procreate, the desire for sex. And see, the devil twists that. And he did that for the Israelites. And, and that's the reason Solomon had 700 wives and 300 uh, you know, concubines. Why? Why? Well, he was worshiping those false gods. And he's, he was introduced to all of these uh, all these women through the idolatrous practices that were let into Israel. I mentioned a couple of Sundays ago that uh, Jezebel, who Ahab married, was, uh, he, he married a wife from a pagan home, and she brought paganism. She brought Baal worship into, uh, into Israel. And, and actually, they had, they had worship of Baal in the temple of God. It was awful, y'all. And uh, it went downhill from there. So that same demon god of, of lust... And illicit sex has risen its head in the 21st century. And we've opened our door. We've opened a Pandora's box from hell in America right now. And we're feeding our children a bunch of lies from the pit of hell about sexuality and about pansexuality and transsexuality and homosexuality and lesbianism and bisexuality. And y'all, it is ruining our culture. And now Jezebel has us all by the neck, and nobody can say anything about it. Jezebel controlled Ahab, if you go read Kings. She controlled him and said, you won't do anything unless I tell you, if you do, you got something to pay, and it ain't good. It ain't from heaven. And she controlled him, and now, and now America's controlled the, 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 the verbiage that you hear publicly is controlled. Yes or no? By LGBTQ. Now, if you're as old as I am, this stuff started in the 60s with the sexual revolution and the uh, radical 
homosexual lesbian folk had an idea that they would through through ideology they would in they would infiltrate our culture infiltrate our schools infiltrate uh, the public airwaves and 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 by doing that they could conquer and could have a name for themselves and be a viable part of culture prior to uh, 1973 i mentioned this a couple of sundays ago homosexuality and lesbianism were were listed by the american psychiatric association as uh, you know, as mental problems. 1973, they took that off their books and said, no longer. It's okay. It's welcome. And since then, y'all, we've, we've had a huge downward spiral in the morals in America. And, uh, you know, even when I talk about it now, everybody's going, man, you ought to be saying this. I have to. If I don't, I'm not right with God. Huh? Yes or no? And uh, so it's a real challenge. All of us are challenged. We have friends who are involved in, in these lifestyles, uh, transgender, bisexuals, homosexuals, lesbians. You have friends. You have people you work with. You've got people that live with you. I mentioned this on Sundays. And so all of us are touched by this. Children who are dabbling in this, grandchildren, friends. So what do you do? Do you shut your mouth? If we shut our mouth, if we shut our mouth, we will be bound by this. How many hear me? And you won't be able to talk about anything except what somebody else will barely allow you. The freedom of speech will be gone. So it's a real challenge. And the only thing I'll end with is um, the same demon spirits that propagated pagan religions throughout the history of the world have risen their head today with this LGBTQ agenda. It's demon spirits. So here's a quote from the article I wrote. Uh, I'll just, let me just, this, this will summarize. I think, well, here's one paragraph that, let's see, our culture, our culture has fallen head over heels into idolatry. Every act of sex outside of marriage is bowing to a demonic force called Baal. Every person committing adultery is bowing to Baal. Every married couple involved in sex parties with other married couples, they call them swingers. Yeah, they're bowing to the altar of Baal. Every homosexual and lesbian act is literally bowing to Baal. Every cross-dresser is bowing to Baal. Every gender binary and transgender person is bowing their knee to Baal. Every person viewing pornography in the privacy of their home is bowing their knee to Baal. Our world is obsessed with demonic worship in the name of sexuality. And y'all, it's strong. It's in the church. And it's pervasive in our culture. So we read about these things in the Bible and say, well, that's in the Bible. We don't have that today. It's worse today, maybe, because now it's worldwide. And it's become accept, accepted in ways it never was. How many hear me? And when I say this, everybody gets mute and quiet because nobody wants to talk about it. And the devil says, that's just the way I want it. My encouragement, talk to your children. If your children are in a public school, you should be talking to them every day about what they did, who they're with, who they're hanging out with. Hopefully you won't give them a phone very early, but if you do, you need to go to the history and find out what they're looking at. Because they're, they're uh, exchanging all kinds of favors by phone. Yes or no? You need to, if you've got grandchildren, encourage your children to talk to them. 
You hear what I'm saying? So uh, it's a pervasive problem, and most people are so busy they're doing nothing about it. And y'all, those that do nothing, you know, the only thing necessary for evil to prevail is for good men to do nothing. That's exactly right. So we got some huge challenges. So I just thought I'd bring that out. You know, uh, these uh, this idol worship, this paganism, in every culture of the world throughout history. You know, you, you have illicit sex, somebody's going to get pregnant. And Molech was the, was the God that answered that problem in history. Molech had a, had a bull head with a, with, a, with a body and had his arms out. I've told you that before. But they would literally sacrifice children to Molech. And uh, what I read today was the, the, uh, the uh, pregnancies resulting from their illicit behaviors. If they didn't want that baby, they'd take it to Molech. In fact, sacrifice that baby to Molech. Today, Molech has another term in America. It's called abortion. Y'all, we got problems. And if we're not praying and seeking and asking, and you know what? It's going to overwhelm. And uh, I've read so many things and so many veins, so many offshoots of this. I've got an article from the, Center of the, uh, from the Center of Disease Control, a CDC, on the, uh, the perils of homosexual sex. And it's a shocking, shocking article. I read a couple of articles a couple of days ago, news articles that there are new forms of cancer that haven't been seen in in a large way in our culture in the past, but they're rising up again because the human body's being used in ways that it never should. How many hear me? And when you violate what God says to do with the human body and you do with it, what God says you should not do, the penalties will come. And the penalties are harsh. And the penalties are more than a generation. They're long-lasting. How many hear me? So anyway, I just thought I'd talk, thought, start out on a really positive note. Hey, welcome to Victor Church. So, uh, you, know, you know, I want to be positive, but y'all, you know what? We better deal with this. So what about you? How do you deal with this? Are we going to choose to hide our head in the sand? And act like everything's fine and there is no problem. I've got in my article, if you say anything about this at work, you lose your job. If, if you say anything about it and you're a business person, you lose revenue immediately. And, and you know, that's Jezebel holding, holding everybody's neck. You better shut up. I'm going to do what I want to do. And the devil wins. So what are we going to do? And I don't need to be only pastor saying this. Do you hear anybody else talking about this? Is it being talked about in the local church? Why? Why? Is the Bible the Word of God? Is the Bible the standard for faith and practice? Huh? Is it God speaking to us? Then why can't we publicly agree with God in a loving, sweet, kind, but firm way? What holds us back? So anyway, let's just throw that out there. Something to think about. Welcome to Wednesday night. Questions? Anybody? I'm. Uh, got, got oh, good. Well, if you listen to everything I say, I really don't. You say other forms of immorality? 
Oh, sin is, did they say immorality or sin? Well, I think I cover, cover most, most of the bases on sin. But recently, um, it's been on my heart really, really strongly. And since June the 2nd, I got up here June the 2nd, and, um, and I had not planned to say what I did. And I spent 10, 10 Sundays talking about the challenges that America faces and what we need to do about it. And I know that offends and hurts somebody, but that's okay with me. Uh, you know, a pastor is commanded to do four things with Scripture. Doctrine, 2 Corinthians, uh, Timothy 3.16. Doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction. And because we're in such peril as a nation right now with sexuality, and because it's swallowing our children whole, then I felt like I needed to emphasize it. And I'm not ashamed to do it. And uh, so I appreciate whoever it is that wrote that. I appreciate you being concerned about me seemingly being out of balance. I, I think I preach the whole counsel of God. Y'all can challenge me on that. But uh, this is one part that is lacking deeply in America. And sometimes in history, for God to, to correct error, there almost has to be an overemphasis of a certain thing. And right now, we all, I don't want to say we need to overemphasize but we definitely need to talk about human sexuality in America. All right, then the next question, um, why don't people love Jesus? Well, you know, Jesus had something to say about that. In fact, uh, you know, this happened, um, this happened back in 2003. We had, uh, uh, we had some kind of outreach, and, and uh, anyway... I don't even have time to go into detail, but the way I advertised it, God showed me was completely wrong. And he gave me this scripture, and you ask, why do people don't love Jesus? This hits it very, very clearly, and God brought me back when that form of advertising I used and the verbiage I used didn't work very well. It kind of hit me between the eyes, and this was back in, I think, 2003. So here's a familiar verse. For, for God, in fact, let me go to a different, I'm sorry, y'all, I need to go to another translation. So let me just go to this familiar translation that everybody knows. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. What verse is that? John 3, 16, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he's not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the, now listen to this, and this is the condemnation that lights come into the world. And men loved darkness rather than light. Did you hear that? Men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. So why don't people love Jesus? Because darkness blinds us. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, the God of this age is blinded the minds of those that don't believe. They're in darkness and they love what they, you know, sin is fun. There are pleasures in sin for a period of time, Hebrews 11 says. But you have to, a lot of people have to hit rock bottom where they can't hardly do anything. They're completely bound before they'll reach out for the lifesaver. And his name is Jesus. Next. Hey, um, this is the last question we've got on social okay. media. It's, uh, you answered it last pastor talk. But um, it's, is cremation wrong according to the Bible? 
Um, I let people make their own choices and decisions about cremation. Cremation decisions in America are financial decisions. Uh, and it's very expensive. I can tell you as a pastor, it's anywhere, according to where they got land or not, ten dollars to $15,000 to bury somebody. So my encouragement to everybody, get you some life insurance. So if something, and have it on your children. I got stories and I've told them before. Have life insurance on your children. So hopefully nothing will happen. We're believing God will live till we're old, right? But if something happens, be prepared, okay? So people now that don't want to cremate, cremate because they don't have the money to bury them in America. It costs a lot of money to die. In America, you can't just dig a hole and throw a body in it. No, you got to do it legally, right? And so cremation, you know, according to how you do it, the urn's about $1,000. Cremation itself is, uh, I forgot what the fee is, about 1000 bucks, 1100 according to where you go. And then the urn to put it in, five, six, seven hundred dollars. And you know, I can tell you, I know all the stuff here, but you know, that's the issue. So uh, historically, from the Bible, uh, Christian cultures have preserved the remains of the deceased because we believe in the resurrection of the dead. Uh, Joseph gave commandments concerning his bones being brought out of Egypt into Canaan land because he believed in the resurrection of the dead. When I die, put my body. In a, in, a, in a box and throw it in the ground because at the resurrection I'm coming up so anyway yeah but I would think that even if you got cremated God is able to reconstruct yeah having said she's right so let me you know back when I first came to the Lord there was this elderly couple they were in their 80s this is an awful story but true um, and they were in my church Mizpah Baptist Church Florence, South Carolina all my life and uh, this lady, her husband died. She got remarried to a fine elderly gentleman, both of them in their 80s. And they were driving down the road one day, and a tanker truck hit them. And the tanker truck caught on fire and burned them. Just, I mean, you couldn't find them. Yeah, cremated them in the car. So what about, them? What about the people at, the, at 9-11? You can't find their remains, little bone fragments, piece of tooth. That's about it. What about them? Well, again, she just said it front row here. You know, if God's sovereign and do what he wants to do, man, he can pull that corporeal substance of the body together. And there's a body. But just put mine in a box if I'm here. Go ahead. Who's next? Hello. Hello. Oh, here hi. I am. Oh, hi. <laughs> um, you know when that scripture where it says um, the Judgment starts in the house of the Lord. Yes, Hebrews 12. And in the past, like a lot of ministers were caught in sexual sin and they were, you know, it was all over the news and whatever. Yes. And now it seems like the world is being judged. Do you think that's judgment with all the sexual sin coming out? The Me Too movement, the guy that killed himself, Epstein, and all this sexual stuff that's coming to the forefront in the world. Is it the judgment of God? Is God, you know you know, judging the world. You know, uh, generally speaking, I think we have a very two-faced culture. How many would agree with that statement? And we don't police ourselves very well. And so there's a lot of people that are doing a lot of things that shouldn't be done. Is it the judgment of God? It's the, I think it's just a natural recourse. You know, be sure your sins will eventually come to light. You know, there's nothing Jesus said that's done in dark that won't one day be revealed. It's the mercy and grace of God that your mess ain't out for everybody to see. So, you know, is that true? Yeah. So if you're a public figure, of course, you can become a spectacle because the flesh loves to gossip 
and the flesh is enticed by dirt. And so a lot of those things up come up because of the flesh. Is it the job? I wouldn't go so far as to say it's the judgment of God. It's the natural recourse of disobedience. That's all I can say. And uh, I'll leave the Lord with his stuff. But uh, I just know if you're wrong, repent and God forgives. How many believe that? I'll leave it at that. Next question. Oh, hey, hey bro. Hey, so as you were saying that, I know that um, with the LGBTQ community being such a strong presence in most corporate locations, what would you suggest to those of us that are on the job, that are working in those locations? I mean, I could give what I do, but I, I would love to kind of get more resource on that of what we can do to voice our concern, but yet also do it in a way where we're not, uh, I guess what I would say, being non-confrontational resources that would allow us to understand how to approach the situation in a proper manner. I mean, uh, the, I know the Bible talks about it. Yeah, that. the best resource I would say is go to askdrbrown.org, Michael Brown. He's an apologetics person, and he's got a lot of writings, and he really ministers a lot to the homosexual community. He's got a, um, he's got a radio broadcast every day, Monday through Friday. I think it starts at 2 o'clock. Uh, what line of fire, that's what it is. Is it two? I think two to five. Several hours. And, uh, and he has homosexuals, lesbians, trans, everything call. And some of them are not nice, but he's a very, very nice person. And he talks about how to address those issues in the public place and all that. That's probably one of the best resources that I personally have found. And, you know, you've got to be really practical with your faith and considerate of other people. You know, we live in a free nation, and a free nation doesn't mean that everybody's a Christian. How many get that? Now, you'd love for everybody to be a Christian, but the, the greatness of America is we're a melting pot of, of nations and people groups. And the greatness of America is whoever you are in the past, you've been able to come here, and we, we, the commonality we had were we were Americans. Whether we're saved Americans or lost Americans or Americans that worshipped other gods than the Christian God, we still came together and we respected each other and each other's belief system enough that you let other people be what they want to be. Nobody forced you to make Jesus Lord. So you can't force other people into your ways. And then when laws are passed that allow what we deem as sin to, to be the common course in our nation, you know, we just can't come up and just force and, you know, get, be accurate. We got to love people and we have to win them over by who we are and how we act. So in the workplace, I've got to love my neighbor as I love myself. Is that true? I've got to do to others the, what I want them to do to me. That's the golden rule. So for me, just practicing the golden rule at work, that means you're going to work with people who don't have the lifestyles that, that you believe in. That means you still need to love and respect them regardless of who they are. Yes or no? That doesn't mean you agree with their lifestyle. It just means that you love them where they are. Now, now if the workplace says, well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to celebrate, you know, LGBTQ, whatever, and, and I want you to give $25. You know, you have the right to say, you know, I appreciate you're doing that. I don't want to participate in that if you go up to your boss. And if they demand that, well, you either participate in this or, or you know, there's the door. Then you got choices to make. Now, that's a tough choice, isn't it? Really hard choice. So, you know, I say love people 
and uh, um, give as much slack as you can without compromising your own personal convictions and pray for the people. Does that make sense? And go to uh, lineify or askdrbrown.org is his website. Great resources to help because every, probably everybody in here, you know, somebody you work with or a family member, a friend, somebody that lives on your street, uh, et cetera. Somebody in your social circle are dealing with these issues. And, you know, you just got to use tact and wisdom. Me as a pastor, I, I need to be fairly forthright with the truths of Scripture. So I say things the way I do here I know full well I'm going to get some spittle back in my face when I do that. And that is to be expected. Not ever, I mean, you know, Jesus said, Woe be to you when all men speak well of you. When I'm talking about a controversial subject, of course there are going to be people that disagree. But that doesn't mean I need to be disagreeable back, right? So there's just right ways to do it. Yeah. Anybody else? Now you talk about anything. Everybody's quiet when you talk about these things. I know. Anybody dealing with this stuff? Yes or no? Here you go. This is a, um, a question, Pastor, for you to address towards the younger group, like um, middle school maybe teenagers, those yeah. uh, younger folks that are in high school or college that have those friends that, that may be um, gay or may be in that, that class of, or that group of people. Um, how would you address to them how to address that issue with their friends? With their friends? Yes. Uh, if I were that age group, I would uh, address it from the vantage point of my personal life my relationship with Jesus, how God has dealt with me about, about my personal lifestyle and my own sexuality and God, how God has dealt with me about my life and then what the Bible clearly says to me. And just let them listen. <clears throat> some friends won't want to listen. Some will get angry. And most of the time when you talk to somebody about something that they're doing and they know it's wrong and they like it, they're going to get mad at you. That's That's pretty much across the board. So... You know, uh, you, you don't force these things towards your friends, but if they'll listen and dialogue with you, and that's a big problem today. Most people think disagreement is hate. And so even if you disagree, now it's framed that you don't like someone or it gets even stronger, you hate them. That's not true at all. Jesus disagreed with a lot of people, but he never sinned and they never hated and so somehow the dialogue needs to change in America. I don't know what it's going to take to change it. I think it's going to take a move of God. But, you know, if I was a younger person, I'd share as much as people would allow me without being, you know, vindictive or, or pious or haughty or proud, but humble, talking about what God has done in my own life. Does that make sense? That's the encouragement I have. If your parents, you know, I can't encourage you. You know, I got four children. And now I have grandchildren, five grandchildren. And um, all of my children, I sat down, we talked about sex. We didn't talk about birds and bees. We talked about sex. And they turned every color but their normal color. And they did. And I said everything. I told them that Susan and I have lots of sex and we like it. And they just went nuts. And I told them about marriage and sex and sex being in the box. I know it's weird, right? Pastor, don't be saying that. Well, how do you think I got kids? But I talked to my children very forthrightly, and I talked to them about their bodies. 
And I actually bought a book, a Christian book on sexuality and showed them all the parts. And that's what you got. That's what, he, that's what that person's got. There you are. And we just talked about it all. And, you know, they, and they basically were thinking, well, you hurry up and shut up. I can't believe you're saying this. Because they were about, you know, 10 years old or so, somewhere around there. But uh, if you're parents, you need to talk about it. If you've got teenagers, you need to talk about sexuality. And you need to talk about what the Bible says. I've got a series that I've had on my, in, in my queue to do forever on what the Bible says about sex. And I want to go over that again from a biblical, from a biblical perspective because it's so needed today, y'all. And if I had children, uh, if I had young children, I'd just send them talk to talk to them about it. Because they're listening to it. They're seeing it. They're watching it. Uh, boys and boys are holding hands at school. Girls and girls are kissing at school. Boys and girls are making out behind the bushes, and they're seeing all this stuff. Yes or no? And besides that, it's on social media everywhere all the time. So if you're not talking about it, it's extremely unwise. And a person that doesn't talk about it, they're hiding their head in the sand. And one day, payday comes. Payday ain't fun. Anything else? Yeah, we got one more um, that was texted in. It's, um, it says, what if a family member was gay and getting married? Would you go? How do you love without condoning it? Again, you know, you live by your personal convictions. Now, anybody can do anything they want to do at any time. That's not my circle. That's their circle. That's not my responsibility. That's their responsibility. But when a person that I know chooses to do something that my conscience says, Mitch, I don't want you to be involved in that. I have to find a way to kindly say, look, you know, if that's something that you value, that's, that's a great thing if that's what you value. But, but I'm going to choose not to participate with that because it goes against the grain of my belief system. And I hope you can understand and appreciate that about me. And I'd probably say I'm praying for you. And they might get mad when I say that. But I'm not going to violate my conscience just because somebody else chooses to do something that's not in my value system. How many hear that? So you've got to have well-defined boundaries in your own life or you can get into some huge trouble. That's what I think. So hope that helps. Yeah. Pastor, so uh, Chick-fil-A supports um, <laughs> the uh, Salvation Army Yep. Fellowship of Christian Athletes at yep. Paul Anderson Youth Home in Georgia. So right now, the LGBTQ are saying that those three groups are hate groups. Therefore, Chick-fil-A supports hate groups. Sure. So Chick-fil-A has decided to stop. Yeah. There. So what is that? Are they? Because some people are saying that Chick-fil-A is like backing up from their. Yeah, principles. I've read. I've read the articles. So I mean, you know. Uh, uh, Chick-fil-A is a business. Uh, their directors can choose what they do with their business. And uh, I don't know that I agree with how they handle that. I don't think I would do it that way. Uh, I've read people that have gone so far as to say, well, since, since uh, Chick-fil-A is so obviously Christian, you go in their store, they're playing Christian music. They're not open on Sunday. It's obvious to the community. They're making a huge um, uh, statement. Truett Cathy, that's the way he set it up. It's been run that way. Man, they compromise. And I've had people go so far as to say, I'm not buying another chicken biscuit. I'm not going to buy their mac and cheese either. And uh, so, you know, that'll probably last a period of time. 
And then somebody will say, I really like that chicken biscuit. I'm going <laughs> to So I personally don't think that's going to work really well. Just pray for them. You know, um, is it disappointing? Yeah, sure. Sure. Do I think they should have towed the line? Sure. And so do a lot of us. But, you know, it's their choices. And, you know, you can, you can write them emails. You can send them information and say, why are you doing that, man? We need to... We need a company that's Christian that stands for values. And it's, it's a challenge. So I don't know why they did what they did. I could put every kind of motive on it, so can you. But, you know, it's a tough thing, sad thing. I still like their salads. <laughs> uh, I've been this week. You know, I, uh, I I didn't go to Target for a long time after they, you know, did what they did with their bathroom situation, but I went last week. Um. <laughs> what do you say? I mean, you know. I mean, y'all, I, I really think it could get to the point that you're just going to have to go crawl in a hole somewhere and eat berries and pecans and, you know, Things you find on the ground. I don't know if you're gonna if you're gonna stay away from everything that's wrong. I, I don't know the answers to that. I just know we're supposed to love our neighbor as we love ourselves, and we're supposed to do what Jesus would do in situations and love people and show them that we love with them without compromising our own personal values. So if for you to to eat at Chick Fil A because of what they just did violates your conscience, don't eat it. But don't condemn somebody else that does. That's important too. Anybody else? Oh yeah, here we go. Um, This is not a question, but just I wanted to say this in regards to some of the things people were asking about family members who are gay or Stuff like that. So several years ago, my brother decided that he, who was gay, Mm -hmm. wanted to be married. Mm -hmm. And he sent me a message and asked me if I would be the photographer at his wedding. Because I'm a photographer. And I kind of freaked out about it. And I didn't know what to do. And I sought the counsel of a lot of different people. There were some believers here that told me, oh, well, you should show the love of Christ and do whatever you need to do and, and do it. And um, somebody had given me a scripture that I stood on for that in Proverbs twenty five twenty six, When a lover of God gives, gives in and compromises with wickedness, it can be compared to cam- contaminating a stream with sewage or polluting a, fount- a fountain. And then, so that was a Wednesday that I decided to tell my brother, I love you. I'm so honored that you would think of me to photograph, like it's a special day for you, I get that. Um, Unfortunately, I can't. And then later that night, you had written a blog on Monday that week that talked about God's people needing to be holy and stand in righteousness. So it was just confirmation, God telling me that I did the right thing. But So anyway, I just wanted to share that because that's what I, I was thinking about it when we were talking about this and that verse and then how it lined up exactly on time with what you had written in your mm. blog that week. And it was helpful. The Lord comforted me to know that I had done the right thing, even though it was very difficult, and my family 
my extended family did not agree with it, mm -hmm. with my decision, and they don't talk to me now because of those things. But uh -huh. um, anyway, I just wanted to encourage other people. With but that you can thing. still write them yeah. cards and say, hi, I love you, hope you're doing well, and get nothing back, and that's okay, right? Yeah, yeah that's good. Well, that was great. Thank you. You know, y'all, um, it's, it's really sad today, and, and, you know, we can set an example, but to disagree doesn't mean you hate someone. And we need to say that has to be said. And you've got to have, have enough fortitude to be able to say that to someone. And, and, and because that is the, particularly among the younger elements of our culture, if you disagree, you don't like me. That's not, that's not true. But it's touted to be true. That's not true. So the other thing is persecution historically has been a part of the life of a believer. Here in America, we've been sheltered since the inception of our nation. And friends, persecution is knocking at the door. The question that we all have for ourselves, am I willing to be vilified, marginalized, uh, mocked, ridiculed, uh, slandered, lied about, victimized because of what I believe, because of the stand that I take. All of the apostles of Jesus except one were killed, were murdered, were slaughtered, horrible deaths. Throughout the, Christian, the centuries of the Christian church, believers have been persecuted seriously. And I really feel like it's coming all full circle now. Everything the early church did, uh, dealt with in the first century, we're going to deal with in the closing days of the church age. And coming to America is persecution. And that persecution is going to begin with free speech rights. I promise you. And it's going to be the LGBTQ issue. So listen. So churches that say, I'm going to say nothing about it. Everybody's going to heaven. You know what? Still not going to help. It's not going to bring anybody to Jesus. Not that way. You have to repent of sin and, and, uh, and have a life change to come to Jesus. That's what he demands. We're going to be persecuted. So if you want to live in a way that everybody likes you, it's not going to happen today. Or you're going to compromise. Yeah, you got something. Go ahead. Uh, I had a sister who was homosexual. She needs a... Run, run. Ooh, we got to stop, y'all. It's late. Wow. There we go. It's not on. I had, there you I, go. Okay, I had a sister who was gay, and when she stopped going to church, her church stayed, stood on the word, and they had within their ministry a way where she could talk about it, and they could uh, discuss it using biblical terms and biblical concepts. And she repented, and her life has totally changed. So I say that churches need to stand for what's right. And they need, and, and, but in standing, have a way to um, minister to those who are in that lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Well, it's actually not a question. It's more of a comment. Okay. Could be, some time ago, I thought about that narrative of if you don't agree with me, you don't love me. And I came to realize that, yeah, that's really a lie, that anyone who is a parent knows that you can disagree with someone and still love them deeply. 
You know, having said that, you know, there's a lot of parents today that, that want to be a friend and not a parent to their children. That's how pervasive this ideology is in our culture. We're in a really strange place. I've, I've personally never really seen anything like this, and it's, uh, wow, it's strong. And uh, so lovingly, lo- lovingly confront. Um, Proverbs says, open rebuke is better than carefully concealed love. Uh, Proverbs 27, 20, 27, 5, 28, 23 says, He that rebukes a man afterwards will find more favor than he that flatters with the tongue. Don't take that literally, but that just means that we need to stand for our convictions, stand for what we believe. Uh, if you don't stand for what you believe, you'll fall for anything. That's what it is. So um, I, I want to keep talking, but we run out of time. I appreciate the questions and, uh, you know, uh, if you've got more dialogue you'd like to enter into, write me a note. Uh, send, send, me a, send me an email, pastor at victorychurchraleigh.com. I'd be glad to answer it. be glad to talk with you. And uh, can, we pr- can we pray for our country? Can we pray? Lord, we just come as we conclude this time tonight. We just pray for the people around us, sir. We're living in an era of time that there is a clash of kingdoms, light and darkness, truth and and deception, right and wrong. Your prophet Isaiah said, Woe to him that calls light darkness, and darkness light, good, bad, and bad, good. Bitter, sweet, and sweet, bitter. Lord, help us to stand for what we believe. Give us the fortitude to love others when we disagree with them. Lord, give us a a backbone of steel so that we're, we're criticized, marginalized, vilified because of what we believe, that we don't take it personally. I ask for that in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray for the United States of America. We ask you to visit this country once again. Lord, in my heart, I've told you so many times, I don't think we have a chance without you doing something supernatural. Let there come another great awakening in this nation. In the name of of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, we ask you, draw the LGBTQ community. Father, draw religious church people who are snooty and proud. Draw the arrogant. Lord, draw those that think they don't need anything or anybody. Draw the independent person. Draw us to yourself. Lord, help us as believers to represent you well. Represent your truth. Represent your life. Represent your love. In Jesus' name. And Lord, help us to be willing to be persecuted for what we believe. In Jesus' name. Give all of us wisdom in the workplace. Give us wisdom with our families. Give us wisdom with our friends. And Lord, help us to walk with you and represent you well. In Jesus' name. I was reading a book. I've got a book in my library. I've got so much I want to say. I've got a book in my library called by F.F. Bosworth. I think the copyright's 1956 um, or so. F.F. F. Bosworth taught on the healing. And around the turn of the century, 1911 or so, he was in Texas and they had a brush arbor meeting, which means a meeting in a tent. And then the blacks and whites didn't mingle together. If I, weren't, I wasn't alive then, but that's what I read at the time. And so the blacks had a separate meeting, but he was up on a stage and he preached to both the blacks and the whites. 
And the snooty folk got mad because he preached to everybody and laid hands on everybody and prayed for the sick. And people got healed. And uh, I just read this yesterday. And so he finished the meeting. And uh, about 25 men came up to him and said, we don't like what you did today. You need to leave town. And you need to leave town now. Or we're going to hurt you so bad you wish you'd never said something. And so he went to his hotel room, packed his bags, he and another guy. And they were going to the train station to leave town. On the way to the train station, another 25 people accosted him and beat him black and blue. I mean, the writer of the article said his flesh was like jelly from head to toe. And uh, he, he prayed while they were beating him. He said, God, don't let him break my spine. He just got a, a, a fracture on his wrist. Other than that, bruised black and blue, blue uh, uh, head to toe. And the guy's nature, you know what he said? The guy said, Lord, he wrote a note to his mother. said, well, I've been beaten. He was beaten. He got up from the beating and walked 10 miles because they wouldn't let him on the train. True story. He said during the walk, he said the presence of God was wonderful. He said, God spoke to me. He ministered to me. I prayed for those that beat me. And somehow God gave me the presence of heart not to be angry with them and not to be bitter with them, but to love those that hurt me. And then he said, I am so grateful to God that I was able to suffer shame for Jesus' name. And I was able to enter into the sufferings of Christ and and endure some of the things that he endured and his people have endured. I'm honored and proud to stand with him. Isn't that something? God, give us that kind of attitude today. In Jesus' name.